Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your faith and would help you to get to know God's love, grace, and mercy in a personal way. If you have any questions on the sermon or would like to know more about Maranatha, please visit us on the web at maranathafreelutheran.com or call our church office at 218-498-2808. Thank you, and may God bless. Amen. Good morning. So good to be back with you again this morning. Last week, uh, Pastor Lloyd and I were able to attend the AFLC Pastors Conference out at the Ark uh, near Osceola, Wisconsin, with about 50 other pastors and their wives and seminary students. It was a, a great time together in God's Word and in fellowship with one another, and the fall colors there were in full peak, and it was just absolutely beautiful there uh, in the St. Croix River Valley. And uh, I wasn't here with you last week because I spent last week uh, playing hooky. I spent, <laughs> I spent last week uh, backpacking in the Boundary Waters. And uh, do we have some of these pictures on up here? Yeah, most people go to the Boundary Waters, I know, uh, not to hike, but to canoe, right? And I know why they do that. The, the, the woods between all of those lakes, it can be rough wild, untamed, raw woods. And sorry about the, uh, the dimness of the, of the pictures there and whatnot. Uh, forgive me for that. But uh, I planned on hiking the Powwow Trail. Uh, it's a 33-mile established hiking trail within the Boundary Waters, and I planned on spending three nights at three different campsites throughout there. I went in seeking rest and refreshment, which is something I can usually find while hiking. Uh, however, the powwow did not refresh. Uh, it was anything but refreshing. Uh, most of that area was actually burned in a wildfire uh, back in 2011. Uh, the good news is the forest is coming back nicely, um, but uh, the bad news is about a year or two ago, a huge windstorm went through there and knocked down all of those matchstick uh, trees that were burned. And I think every single one of them fell across the powwow hiking trail. <laughs> Uh, volunteers have been up there numerous times over the last year cleaning and clearing away. Uh, but you can kind of see just some of the, I think that was a picture of my trail as I had to hike through some of that there, just the, the trees that had fallen all over the place. Uh, I camped one night at my intended destination, uh, an area near Diana Lake that had escaped the fire. So old growth forest, just beautiful. Uh, but then after that, I, I changed my plans, and I spent the next two nights camping on a, on a beautiful lake, Quada, or, uh, Quada Lake. Uh, the weather, again, was just perfect. Be highs in the 50s, lows down in the 30s, just perfect for me. Maybe a little bit cooler for some of you, but uh, it was perfect. And for most, part, for most parts of my trip there, it was so still and so quiet that you could hear a leaf breaking off from the tree and falling all the way down to the ground. <laughs> I had never experienced quiet like that before. And I was able to spend uh, two days at this campsite, two days in God's Word, two days reading uh, a book um, by John Stott, and uh, there's a beautiful sunrise that next morning. It was a great time of rest and refreshment. And now getting away and unplugging for a while can be great for rest, for refreshment. And unfortunately, we, we can't find a lake in the Boundary Waters every week, can we? 
Um, we do need to have some rest and refreshment, and it might look a little bit different than this. Uh, this morning, we're going to be turning our attention to the third commandment. Uh, and the third commandment deals with the observation of the Sabbath. It encourages and establishes a rest for God's people. And as we look at this third commandment, we're going to discover that on either side of the cross, rest has been and continues to be vital for the people of God. So would you stand with me as I read the third commandment from Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 12 through 15, reading in Jesus' name. Observe, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may be rested as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Here ends the reading. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, Lord God, we do thank you for your Ten Commandments, your Ten Words to us today. And as we study this Third Commandment about rest, we ask that you would uh, give us rest and refreshment and re-energization today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. This morning I want to answer uh, two different questions. Uh, what did the Sabbath look like for Israel and what does the Sabbath look like for us today? So first, what did the Sabbath look like for Israel? And before we can really dive in and discuss that, we need to understand what the word Sabbath meant, uh, what, what it is and what it was. Uh, the word Sabbath is a, is a direct transliteration from the Hebrew word sabbat. Uh, sometimes you'll see it spelled with an H at the beginning, Shabbat or Sabbat, uh, potato, potato, it's the same thing, uh, uh, either or. Uh, the, the word means to stop, to cease, to rest. It means that you were doing something and then you stopped, you sabbated. Uh, the word is used in Genesis chapter 2 describing what God did on the seventh day of creation. He sabbated from his work of creation. He ceased creating. He rested from his work of creating. And because, this, because of this third commandment, the Sabbath became very important in Israel. Uh, on the Sabbath, they rested. They ceased from their normal activities. But for Israel, the Sabbath wasn't just simply one out of seven days in which they took a break. Their, their whole world revolved around the Sabbath and keeping the Sabbath. There was a Jewish writer and philosopher, Asher Ginsberg, who uh, died in 1927, and he wrote this about the, the Sabbath. He said, more than the Jewish, or more than the Jewish people have, having preserved the Sabbath, the Sabbath has preserved the Jewish people. Everything in Judaism led to and revolved around the keeping of the Sabbath. And yet, despite the importance of the Sabbath within Judaism, the exact details as to what observe the Sabbath means are, are kind of scant in the law. 
the prohibition, do no work, is found throughout. And there's often been debate within Jewish circles what, of what defines work. Some clear-cut examples from Scripture are, are these. Uh, don't kindle a fire. Don't gather sticks. You weren't supposed to collect manna or bear burdens, which means carry anything, by the way. <laughs> uh, beyond that, work has been interpreted in various ways. And so very on, early on, rabbis extrapolated from the Torah what's been come to call the, the 39 melakot, or the 39 forms of work. And I know this is small, but I wanted to get them all on there on one screen. These were what the Jews were supposed to avoid. They were extra rules added to the commandment and included things like sowing, plowing, reaping, baking, um, carrying things in your pocket, uh, tying and untying, writing and erasing letters, kindling and, and extinguishing a fire, and so on and so forth. And Jews from then on have been very, very careful to avoid work and any one of these 39 different forms of work. And they, they carry themselves out uh, to every aspect of Jewish life even today. They're not supposed to turn on a light switch because that is considered work. You can have one set on a timer and set it beforehand and then it can turn on and off for you on the Sabbath, but you can't actually turn the light switch on and off. Uh, you, yeah, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> uh, but in Jesus' day, and in fact, even before his ministry began, these, these extra rules were, were added to this commandment. And the Pharisees added even more. Uh, for example, you could, uh, you could feast on the Sabbath day, uh, just as long as you didn't cook it that day. But you could not fast on the Sabbath day, which is kind of ironic to think about, right? You could fight a battle but you could not be intimate with your wife. You could celebrate a marriage feast, but you could not draw water from a well. And there were even limits on how far you could walk, two-thirds of a mile from your place. And there were so many other rules and sub-rules added to sort of build a, a fence around the law of Moses, enacted uh, so that people wouldn't even come close to breaking this law. However, the, the trouble is nobody can keep all of these Sabbath rules, all of these Sabbath laws. They're extremely hard to follow and even at some point seem to contradict one another. And so to keep people from breaking the Sabbath, even more laws were made and even more laws were instituted. And in the New Testament, Jesus had some of his harshest words for the Pharisees in connection with the observation of the Sabbath. The Pharisees were very good at keeping the externals, avoiding the 39 different forms of work and other precautions that had been invented. However, Jesus criticized them for observing only the externals while ignoring the heart of God behind that commandment. And we read one such example this morning from Mark chapter 2. In response, Jesus said, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. However, despite the, the misuse and additional restrictions on the Sabbath, the Lord God did have some valid reasons for commanding his people to observe, observe the Sabbath. Uh, look again and, and see if you can catch the reason why the Jews were supposed to observe the, the Sabbath. Look at this here again from Deuteronomy chapter 5. The Lord says, Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. 
And then jumping down to verse 15, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. What was the reason for God giving his people a Sabbath, giving his people a rest? The reason is this, you were once slaves, right? Not even 40 years before Deuteronomy chapter 5, the Israelites were in bondage to the Egyptians. They were slaves, slaves who made bricks without straw, slaves who probably did not receive any PTO or any sick days. I don't think they got a 15-minute smoke breaker or a paid lunch. They were forced to work every day, every weekend, and every holiday. Uh, They had no rest in their labors. They did not receive health insurance or dental benefits. There was no OSHA to look out for their health and well-being. They had no no 401k or Roth IRA set up for their retirement. If a slave died in the mud pit from exhaustion and overwork, the Egyptians just said, oh, well, we'll get some more. Who cares? God wanted his people to remember those hard times that they went through, the work, the 24-7, 365 slave labor without rest. God wanted his people to remember their slavery and he did not want them to repeat it once they went into the promised land and once they became um, new masters themselves, right? He said, remember your slavery. Remember that you need rest. And the second reason the Lord provided his people with a Sabbath, with a rest, is found in the Exodus account of the Ten Commandments. Uh, Look at these verses again, Exodus 20, verse 11. Uh, First, the commandment to rest is given. Then the Lord says this, he says, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The second reason that the Lord would have the Israelites rest from their labors has its roots in in the creation account in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. You remember that story, right? In six days, the Lord created the universe and everything in it, right? Light and dark, the heavens, the earth, the sea, the dry land, the sun, moon, stars, planets and vegetation, birds and fish, animals of all kinds and human beings as the, the crown of his creation made in his image all in six days and then on the seventh day the lord rested from his labors he ceased his creating and the lord god rested the lord god sabbathed from his creating not because he was tired and needed a break no he rested because as he did he set the pattern for us to follow Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath, a rest to the Lord. He knew the importance that a day of rest would bring his people. And so in creation, he set the pattern for us to follow. So why the difference? Why in Exodus chapter 20 does the Lord give one reason for having a Sabbath rest and in Deuteronomy chapter 5 he give another? I think both reasons for the Sabbath rest are good and valid, but I, I think that the difference why one reason was given in Exodus and a number in Deuteronomy, another in Deuteronomy has to do with the context, what's going on uh, in Egypt or in Israel as, as the Lord gives these commandments. 
In Exodus chapter 20, the Lord had just brought Israel out of Egypt, right? He just showed the Israelites and the Egyptians the the ten plagues, right? The ten signs and wonders that he brought uh, against Egypt, doing battle with the various gods of Egypt. He, He brought them out of Egypt with a mighty hand, he said, and an outstretched arm. The Lord had defeated the gods of Egypt one by one. And so in Exodus chapter 20, as the Lord is is first giving his people the words of the Ten Commandments, he's reminding them of who he is. He is the Lord. He is the God of creation. He created everything in six days. The gods of Egypt, the gods of Canaan, they're nothing. Only the Lord, only Yahweh, he is the true God, the one and only God. But then in Deuteronomy chapter 5, when the law is given a second time, the context is a bit different. As Israel is about to enter the promised land and to take their inheritance, they needed the reminder to take a rest from their labors, a rest that would be theirs whether they were the slaves or the masters. So I think that's why there's a little bit of a difference between the Exodus and the Deuteronomy accounts. There's a second question that we need to consider this morning. We've looked at what the Sabbath was to Israel, and now let's turn our attention to what the Sabbath looks like for you, for the church today. And actually, and this might come as a bit of a surprise to you, in the strictest sense, this commandment no longer applies to us as Christians. Is that surprising? Well, let me explain. (laughs) This commandment, yes, it is part of the Ten Commandments, but it's also a part of the broader Mosaic Covenant, right? The Mosaic Covenant includes all of those laws that govern the religious Jewish, the religious lives of, of the Jews, right? Laws that included the tabernacle and the temple, the sacrifices and the offerings, the feast days and the Sabbath observations. And when Jesus came, he fulfilled the law. He fulfilled the Mosaic Covenant for us. Right? We as Christians don't offer sacrifices in a temple anymore because Jesus is the Lamb of God who has taken away the sin of the world. We don't observe the Passover feast because Christ is our Passover Lamb who has been crucified, sacrificed for us. We don't arrange our sanctuary like the Holy of Holies in the Old Testament because those things were mere shadows and copies of the heavenly sanctuary. And as a sign of the covenant that the Lord had made with his people, the Sabbath celebrated Israel's deliverance from Egypt. And even that, that wonderful work, the deliverance and the Exodus event, even that pointed forward to our new and greater deliverance and our redemption that's found in Christ Jesus and his death on the cross. And in Colossians, Paul makes this makes it clear that that the Sabbath and especially the the Jewish and Pharisaical legalism that's attached to it isn't binding on Christians. After speaking of God having canceled out our sin by nailing it to Christ's cross, Paul says this, he says, Therefore let no one pass judgment on you in question of food or drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. The Sabbath, in other words, points to Christ and is fulfilled in him. 
the word for shadow there that Paul uses to describe the Sabbath is used to describe, uh, by, the, by the author of Hebrews, it's used to describe the Old Testament sacrifices in Hebrews chapter 10. It says this, For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. The law and the Sabbath are, are simply shadows of the good things to come. Just as the law pointed forward to Christ Jesus who would fulfill it for us, the Sabbath points forward to Christ Jesus who alone and can finally and ultimately give us rest. And that rest, by the way, has already begun for us and at the same time has not yet been fully realized. We can find our rest in Christ because Jesus already died for us. We don't need to work. We don't need to labor for our salvation or to please God. Jesus has already done that when he died on the cross. But yet our rest is, is not yet fully realized because we are still on this side of eternity. In eternity, we will ultimately find our rest in him. And that's why, Christian, there remains on this side of an eternity a Sabbath rest for God's people. And that's what the author of Hebrews was talking about in our scripture lesson from Hebrews chapter 4. Look at these verses again, um, thinking of the context of Sabbath rest. He says, For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also entered, rested from his work as God has, did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. You remember your Old Testament history, right? After Moses died, Joshua led the people into the promised land and Israel was able to rest from their wanderings in the desert and their conquest of the promised land. But Joshua did not finally and ultimately bring the people rest. The rest that they had had could only point forward to something greater that was yet to come. Uh, in a book called 40 Questions About Christians and Biblical Law, the author Tom Schreiner has this to say as he explains this bit and says this regarding the shadow of the Sabbath. He says, In these verses, the author of Hebrews sees the Sabbath as a foreshadowing of the final and ultimate rest of the people of God. A Sabbath rest still awaits God's people and it will be fulfilled on the final day when Christ Jesus returns and when believers rest from earthly labors. The Sabbath, a day of rest, points to the final rest of the people of God. Our final and ultimate rest on the other side of eternity is not yet here for us yet, is it? Some are closer than others to entering that rest but in the meantime, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, reminding us finally and ultimately of the victory that will be ours when Christ returns. And that being said, Christians still do observe a day of rest each week, don't we? You are here this morning, right? You have a weekend. And so while this part of the law has been fulfilled for us by Christ, what does it mean that this commandment, or what does this commandment mean for us as Christians? In the small catechism, Martin Luther explained it in this simple way. He said, 
This means that we should fear and love God so that we do not despise his word and the preaching of the same, but deem it holy and gladly hear and learn of it. Like all the other commandments, this commandment keeps before our eyes the fear and the love of God. First and foremost, we are to fear him, we are to respect him, we are to love him. And then it gets to the heart of why this day of rest is so important so that we can worship him together and listen to his word and worship him. And so even though through Christ as, as Lord of the Sabbath, our, our Sabbath rest is complete and our work is finished, he finished it on the cross for us, we still observe a day of rest. And we do so not in a legalistic, pharisaical sort of way, uh, like the Jews have done and continue to do, but we rest, we rest from our labors, we rest because of what Christ has done for us. And there are two reasons that we continue to observe a rest day. We, we observe a day of rest first and foremost because we, we simply acknowledge the truth that we need rest and we need to be recharged, right? Does anybody here not need a break from their work every now and then? Can anybody work all the time? No, nobody really can. Um, after Bible college, I worked in the cities for a few years and there was a, about a three-month stretch there where I was doing, I, I kid you not, um, 20 to 22 hours a day, seven days a week, uh, between a couple of jobs and full-time school and homework and things like that. <laughs> That's about what a lot of our farmers are doing right now, those 20-hour days, 22-hour days. You, you, but you cannot sustain that pace indefinitely. Uh, I was shot. I, I burned out quickly. <laughs> I realized the importance of rest. And even if you're not pulling 20-hour days, seven days a week, you need rest. You need a day off. You need a break from the everyday, from the ordinary, from the daily grind. You, you need to engage in something that refreshes you, something that recharges you. And that looks different for everyone. What, what qualifies as rest for one person isn't refreshing and recharging for another. Uh, my solo trip to the Boundary Waters last weekend was wonderful for me, but it might sound like torture for you, right? And the thing that you find refreshing and recharging, I might find to be a drag. And that's okay. We're all created differently, aren't we? The important thing is that as we rest, we're doing something other than the normal, something that re-energizes us and gets us ready for the next week ahead, right? And I found it interesting, too, that private companies are even starting to realize the, the value of encouraging their employees to take a rest as well. Um, the website, A Motley Fool, uh, they, they provide financial and, and investing advice, uh, and they've instituted what they've dubbed a fool's errand. I guess they call all their employees who work there fools, and this is called the fool's errand. I don't know why, <laughs> but it's kind of neat what they do. At the beginning of every month, one of their employees is, is chosen at random to take an additional two-week paid vacation, uh, but the catch is that it must be taken that month. So you have two weeks to plan your two-week vacation and get your ducks in order. For the Motley Fool, this is a way to make sure that their employees are, are, are getting those much-needed breaks. 
and other companies, even a few of the bigger tech companies such as Google, encourage resting on a smaller scale. They actually encourage their employees to take a 20-minute power nap after their lunch break <laughs> to recharge and to refresh, right? We are made for work, but even the big companies know that we need rest and that rest is important for us. And there's another reason why Christians need to take a day of rest. And it's because we need to set aside time to worship our Lord and our Savior. If we didn't set it aside, if we didn't carve out time for it, if we didn't prioritize this time, worship probably would not happen, right? There are a billion and a half different things that distract us, that demand our constant attention. And if we don't set aside time for worship, we'd be sorely tempted to neglect the gathering together of saints. And from the earliest days of the church, right, believers gathered on Sunday to worship Jesus, to break bread together, to hear from God's word. There's nothing super holy about Sunday in and of itself. In many ways, every day of the week is the same, and we should probably be worshiping the Lord every day. But we worship corporately on Sundays because, really, that's the reason, that's the day Jesus rose from the dead, victorious over the grave, And so we gather on Sundays, and there is something significant about coming together to church, to worship, to gather together, isn't there? If COVID taught us anything, if it taught me anything, it taught me the importance of being together. Yes, live streaming is good, right? It does have its place. And yes, Christ is our Sabbath rest, and we're not under the obligation of the law, but it is so good to gather together, isn't it, as God's people We have been created for community. We need the mutual support and the encouragement of one another. And so I want to leave you this morning with this final challenge. You've you've come to church. You've been worshiping Jesus here, right? And as you go from here, continue to worship. Don't let your praise of him stop as you leave the sanctuary doors or, or exit the building, right? Continue to find ways and reasons to give him praise and worship throughout your day. Don't stop worshiping him once you leave here. And I also encourage you to go home and to rest. Be recharged. Be refreshed. Yes, there are a million things that need to be done, right? The the leaves need to be raked. The the soffits need to be painted. Bathrooms cleaned. Laundry folded, right? Cars that need repairing. Family gathering. Homework that needs to be done. There are a million things that need to be done. But in all the busyness of life, don't forget to cease and to rest a little bit. Find what refreshes you, what recharges you, what re-energizes you. And maybe that's a walk or a bike ride or a nap. Uh, Whatever you do, don't watch the Vikings because that just stresses you out even more these days, right? (laughs) But but find some rest, seriously. And uh, also help out your spouse or your kids with their rest. Don't let your rest become a hindrance to their rest, right? (laughs) Amen. Would you join me in a closing word of prayer? Father God, I do thank you for today and for your word and for this commandment. Thank you that Christ has fulfilled the sacrifice, or the, the Old Testament for us, all the laws and regulations there. But thank you that you do call us to rest even on this side of the cross. And we ask that as we go home today, Lord, that we would continue to praise you, we continue to worship you, but we'd also find rest for our souls and from our, from our labors, from all the distractions of life, Father. Give us rest. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.